Welcome, bride chillas and groom chillas. Groom chillas, Alicia. Let's uh, let's workshop that. You're listening to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one wedding podcast hosted by author, comedian, and wedding advice giverer Alicia McCormick. Q and A Thursday is coming from a proper studio, and you might be going, "Well, Alicia, you're always in a proper studio." Well, maybe. We're just going to leave that one to the imagination. I am actually at Richard's work, and I'm probably not allowed to be saying I'm at Richard's work, but it is the weekend. For those who may be new to the podcast, I am Alicia, the host of the show, and Rich is my husband, and he has been working crazy hours. He's an architect, and sometimes he has to do well, just longer hours than necessary. But that's what you got to do to get things done. And one thing we have noticed is that when he's got a busy sort of work time on, I try and come with him to the office and do my stuff. Podcasting is usually done on the weekend for me, so it's nice to be able to come along and sneakily sit in his office with my laptop and uh, do all my various postings and all this sort of stuff that I've got to do. And he does his stuff, and it's sort of like we're together, but we're not. I mean, I try not to bother him, but it's nice to just look over and say, well, there he is. He's there. I'm here. We're together. And he said yesterday, oh, I forgot to tell you, we've got a special room upstairs, and it's soundproof. It's like a studio, and I nearly lost my mind. I'm like, why the hell didn't you tell me about this before? Now, I can't just come here on a weekday because they're like, who's this bitch coming and recording a podcast in our special architecture soundproof studio? I don't know why they've got it. Who knows? It's a very big, classy company. And again, if you know anyone, I know there are people that know what Rich does and who he works for that listen to this. <clears throat> I was never here. and You don't know anything about it. Please don't get us into trouble. <laughs> I think it's best that I just move on and not acknowledge that again. <laughs> It is, as I said, Q&A Thursday. If you are new to the podcast, I know I might have some new listeners because Sunday, if you're listening to this in order on the date, Sunday was Valentine's Day. Probably got some new bride chillers who've just gotten engaged. Congratulations. It's my song for you. Maybe you've just discovered the podcast. I always like to say, when you write to me, I love to hear how you found me because I'm just a little old gal sitting in London making my podcast. I don't have a big marketing team behind me. I am my marketing team. And it's always great to hear where you found me and how you came about downloading this podcast. Very happy to be sharing some more of your wonderful listener voicemails. I've been encouraging people to leave me voice messages. You can do it by visiting savethedatepodcast.com. And if you click on episodes, you'll see all the back catalogue of episodes. You can read the notes. You can watch. You can't watch them. You can listen to them again. You can watch the screen. Nothing happens. You just hear my voice. But it could be meditative. You can listen to the episodes and also in the right sidebar of the page. There is a small button and it says record and you can record me a message just like you'd leave a friend. Do people still listen to voice messages? I I work in an industry. I work in television and I do a lot of uh, producing, casting. I find people and my, you know, you probably listen to me and go, oh, she's confident. She likes talking. And that's because I do a lot of talking and I use the phone all the time. And someone said to me the other day, do you still leave voice messages? And I'm like, ah, fuck yeah. They are my bread and butter. I, I, I'm, I research, I cast, I produce, I find people. You got to leave messages. You got to use the phone. I still love making a phone call. I also do think a lot of people in the wedding industry still use telephones. It's sort of important, but so many people, so many young people 
just want a text message and they want a WhatsApp or I can Snapchat or whatever. Snapchat, Snapchat. That's just, <laughs> that just made me feel like I was 40,000 years old. They Snapchat. Um, they do all that and they don't want to actually make a call, but sometimes it's easy just to make the phone call, get an answer on the spot, and then you don't have to wait for a text message to come through or see that stupid little dot, dot, dot thing where you're waiting for someone to reply and then they just close the app down and never reply. Oh, makes me so angry. However, I've been asking people, I'm digressing a lot today, it's because I'm in a studio environment, uh, I've been asking people to leave voice messages, and last week's Q&A Thursday was solely recorded using your voice messages, and I loved the hell out of it, and I'd like to do that a lot more regularly. And today, thankfully, I have quite a few to add, so I'm not going to waste any time, I'm just going to jump straight into it. Here we go. This first message is from lovely Corey. Hi Alicia, this is Corey. I'm currently here in France. I'm an American, actually, but I will be moving um, back to Chicago in April with my fiancé once both of our volleyball um, seasons are done here. I have to confess now, Corey, when you said that, I'm like, whoa, 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 this is interesting. But apart from the fact you're living in another country, you also just mentioned you both play volleyball, so I had to Google stalk you. And that's not creepy. I just wanted to say I love hearing about the diversity of my listeners. I have people all over the world who have such interesting lives and who do so many different things. So, Corey, I love that you found me and you're listening. And I love that you are so skilled at volleyball because I suck at it. And I just wanted um, to reach out to you. Uh, I think the podcast is great. I'm kind of a newbie. I just started listening um at the beginning of January, when I just got engaged to my seven-year boyfriend. I know, finally, right? <laughs> Anyways, um, a lot of things I've been looking into kind of go along with um, where our theme or, you know, what we're wanting to do with our wedding is um, it's going to be on October 28th, 2017. So we are looking to have a Halloween-inspired, also with a twist of Nightmare Before Christmas as well, mixed in. Um, it has a lot to do with my fiance, Joe and I, and our relationship. So we're very much looking forward to that. Um, one thing I have really kind of gotten stumped on though, um, I've, I've really been looking into, uh, dress dipping and, um, I haven't gotten a lot of information on whether or not this is like a DIY kind of thing you do yourself or there's actually, um, you know, companies or people out there that would help you and assist you doing that. Um, I think it looks great. I think it could add a little bit of extra pop of color. Um, we're not really into a lot of flowers or, that's just kind of not our thing. So we're kind of going to have um, just a lot more candles around. So I did want to introduce some kind of pop of color and dress dipping just sound, it sounded so intriguing. Um, and I would want to be doing it with, um, you know, a bright, vibrant purple color. So I, d I don't want it to be, you know, too over the top, but I also do want something that would look elegant, but kind of awesome at the same time. So and that's kind of a lot of what Joe and I, that's our personality, we and what we want in our wedding. You know, we want something that's just going to scream us. And I just think having a unique dress like that would just be amazing. So if you could uh, assist me on that and give me a little more information, maybe on your insights and what you think of dress shipping or where I could find more information, 
that would be so helpful. Okay, well, thanks again, and look forward to hearing more of the podcasts and more videos, please. Okay, thanks. No, thank you, Corey, because that's a great message, and you have summed up so much of what I put out there in the podcast, and that is really finding your theme. And when I say theme, something I mean reflects you, I'm not just talking about stuff and colors and things like that. You really honed in on what uh, the message that I try and put across, and that's like be yourself. Don't know why I've turned into some sort of like like you know shock the idea of dip dyeing a dress is fabulous now if you don't know what i'm talking about if you don't know what Corey's talking about i think i do actually think she explained it quite well but let me just go through back to the basics it's the idea that you have probably a cream or white gown that you then have either professionally dip dyed to be ombre so there are lots if you go to pinterest and look up dip dyeing there are lots of beautiful examples of gowns that have either been pre-purchased like this. There are lots of designers now choosing to do this. And also one of my favorite Etsy finds is a beautiful glitter dipped dress. So it's not been physically dipped in glitter, you know, it's uh, actually been sewn on and it's glitter and sequins that have been sort of ombre in a way. So it's a heavy sort of sequins around the bottom of the dress. And then as it fades up, it disappears. Clearly, I am no Anna Wintour. I'm not describing the dress in a way that's probably selling it, but it's beautiful. And it's this wonderful idea of having quite a trad uh, dress, but then you're adding your own twist to it, which is exactly what I think Corey's getting at. The idea that she wants to add a pop of color to a gown and give it a bit of a vavoom. And she really likes the idea of having a purple ombre dip dyed dress. Now, I've been doing some research and... A wedding dress is one of those things I think you shouldn't fuck around with too much when it comes to dyeing yourself. Of course, Pinterest is one of those places that you can go to and people make things look really good, which is nice. But then I also find, and I'm sure if you've heard the podcast before, I talk a lot about DIY to my lovely friend, Jen, at somethingturquoise.com. And her whole blog is about DIY and it's about finding methods, you know, tutorials. She gives you methods to do things rather than just look at a couple of photos on Pinterest and wing it because you don't really want to be doing that when it comes to your wedding dress. I love mucking around and, uh, you know, crafting and having a go at things. But I think in this situation, unless you're really ballsy, which Corey, you sound very confident, but unless you are really sure of what you're doing, I would say this is probably a go to the professionals area. And I mentioned um, something turquoise because I always sort of say what I think is so great and what she does so well is the actual step-by-step tutorials. It's not just like, here's one thing, step one, do this, step four, it's done. And then you're like, fuck, I don't know, how'd you get from step one to four? I don't understand what's going on. So if you're doing DIY, make sure you're following great tutorials, and that's why I'd absolutely recommend you visit. But when it comes to the dip dye, I have done some research. No shit, because you asked me to do it. That's what you've asked me to do. So I have found a company that is called Ulterior Online. I'm going to do a very Dave McCormack. My dad always likes to spell things out. He loves spelling people's names out. I wrote a whole stand-up bit about how my dad, like whenever he's talking about anyone, promise Corey, I'm getting back to my point. Uh, whenever he's talking about anyone, he's telling a long-winded story. And he's always like, I saw Stephen Clark. It's C-L-A-R-K. No E. Stephen Clark. I'm like, I don't care. Yes, good. Just get on with the story. Johnson, without the T, it's J-O-H-N-S-O-N. J-O-H-N. 
N-S-O-N, not S-T. And I'm like, okay, who gives a shit? Anyway, the I will still <laughs> – that's really bad. I love my dad so much, and I'm happy that he's confident with his spelling and that he's interested in pe- the origins of people's names, although it never has any reason. There's no point to it. Anyway, the place is called Ulterior, A-L-T-E-R-I-A, ulterioronline.com. And I sent them a message, and a lovely lady uh, got back to me. Her name is Maricela. And Maricela said that basically they provide, if you go on their website, you can see lots of images of uh, gowns that they have professionally dyed. And uh, there is a huge variety of gowns and colors, and it's really interesting to see all the different varieties. And one thing I will say uh, is that doing this yourself is a risk. And the risk is when you are using different materials, different materials, and this is just from my Googling. I have learned this. There's half an hour of Googling. Amazing. Different materials absorb dyes in different ways. And different materials work with different dyes in different ways and can change colors. So in this situation, I would highly recommend that you seek professional help and guidance in this this area. So when I was reading um, a little bit about, I was on the ulterioronline.com uh, website and I was reading about all the different gowns that they've worked on. It's, it's nice to see examples and also basically you can buy your gown and you can ship it to them with a bit of correspondence, obviously beforehand, and they will professionally dye it for you and then ship it back to you. Here's another thing I think is amazing, and I was poking around on their website, is that they will happily dye a wedding dress after the wedding to a different color. Now, I think this is a cracking idea, and I actually might take them up on this. They're in the States. They're in Florida, but they accept shipping from anywhere. And I think I'm just going to make that. I just made that like I knew what I was talking about, but I did contact her, and she did say you can ship the gown. So I'm assuming internationally you could do this, or you could probably contact them, and they might have someone that they could recommend you could send the dress to if you're in the UK, Australia, Canada, vice versa. But maybe, and I will actually ask her about this, maybe you can ship internationally. I'll get back to you on that. However, it's really nice to see that they will, uh, sh- they will, they will dye a wedding dress after the wedding day. Because so many people I know say, and I'm included, I could wear that dress again. I don't really think I'll wear a white dress in real life, but I could wear it if it's a different color. So it's really nice to repurpose something. And if you have a dress that's maybe not an, a traditional wedding gown, I don't know. Maybe you wear gowns all the time. I do not. But if you do have a dress that is the sort of shape or style that you could absolutely see yourself wearing again, then I would say you should consider taking it to a professional dyer, colorist, don't know what the correct terminology is, person that dyes things like Ulterior Online, uh, and get it dyed. Why wouldn't you? I'm sure that's something that, that is easily created and done. And I, I don't think this is very expensive. I, I have no proof about that, but I feel like this is something that you could easily do. And again, I just want to say, if you're going to do this, if you do, if you don't have access to shipping your gown or you want to do it yourself, I would be very wary. And also, I think you need to very much do some test dipping. And again, if it's a wedding dress, <laughs> I just really want to reiterate this. Don't come back to me and say, Alicia, I tried to dip dye my wedding dress and it looks fucked. That is a sad 
but I didn't tell you to do it. I'm probably I'm I'm more pointing towards this lovely people I found on the interwebs, ulterior online. However, if you do want to dye something at home, I would really spend some time on YouTube. <laughs> this is terrible advice. I've just said don't listen to my advice, and then I'm going to give you terrible advice. But use a bit of test dipping. I know. I actually he, my only experience with dipping things and dyeing things is that I like a really dark jean. I like a dark denim. I really do. But sometimes after you wash and wear them many times, they fade or look a little crusty, but the denim's really good. And they're, you know, like a really good pair of jeans that you just don't want to give up, but they don't look very smart anymore. Or smart's probably not the right word. But they don't look as good as they used to. And I have on a few occasions, especially with black jeans and dark denim, is that I have purchased some denim uh, coloring some denim dye that you can do at home. The only thing is there's one that you can buy off Amazon and you can put it in the washing machine. Now this is weird, but you can do it and it's worked. Just make sure you just run the washing machine after you do it to make sure there is no dye left in it because then you will have blue clothes. But you can put it in the washing machine and do the whole dyeing process in the washing machine. Or you can do it in a laundry sink. Just don't do it in something like a white ceramic sink because it does stain. There it is. You want to use some sort of stainless steel laundry tub or a bucket. But it's easy to dye things at home, but it's probably not your wedding dress. There it is. Thank you, Corey, so much for your message. I hope that you enjoy your time in France. And I would really like to hear if you've already purchased your wedding dress or you are planning to purchase upon your return to Chicago. I'd love to hear if you do get in touch with this company because they do sound great and the testimonials do seem very positive. So it'd be nice to hear if you're going to do that or also if you would consider doing it yourself, what preparations you would like to take. Corey, bless your heart. Thank you for your message. Now, a short break and then some more. I'm always delighted to hear from a groom and the original Grimmy McGroomster. He wrote to me a few months ago and he's left me a voice message and I am delighted to share it with you. Hey, Alicia. My fiance and I are getting married in June of next year. But we've got a decent amount of international travel coming up and we've decided that we want to try and get married in other countries as well, secretly. Uh, namely, we're going to Australia and Switzerland in March. And we're thinking about getting Canada in there too at some point. Do you have any thoughts, guidance, insights that would help us out uh, in this venture? Thanks. Bye. Okay. Well, this is pretty ace. And I have so many questions. And I feel like this is a whole episode or short podcast series about you getting hitched everywhere. So I suppose the, the three questions that I have written down, the first is, will these will these weddings, will these marriages be legal? Because whichever country you go to, you are going to be hit with a couple of different legal things that aren't complicated, but you do have to plan ahead. For example, if you are planning to get hitched in Australia, I've got a lot of contacts. I can help you out with that. But you can be very sure that if you want this to be a legally binding uh, wedding service, you need to apply one month in advance. Now, I can't remember for the life of me if you need to be on Australian soil to apply for that or you can do that from overseas. I'm going to make an assumption 
ass out of you and me, Alicia, that you can do this from elsewhere. Now, I'm also assuming, Grooming McGroomster, you want to perhaps just have uh, a service in the States. I think you are from, from memory. Perhaps you will have your legally binding service there, the one where you get the bit of paper to say that you are married to each other and it is legit. And maybe you are going to have just lovely wedding services elsewhere around the world, which are more about getting hitched in another country, not having 28 wedding certificates and actually not being legally minded here. I'm thinking out loud and wondering if you are just probably going through the services, the wedding ceremonies elsewhere, perhaps is just for the show. And I don't mean, like, I mean, you'll be having a lovely romantic time, but you're not going to be getting a marriage certificate in each country. Or maybe you will. And if that's the case, then more research is needing to be done from my end. I think we should talk about this groom and groom store. My feeling is that you would like to then surprise your family and friends and go, hey, look, we've been married in three or four different countries. And that's fun. I love that. Switzerland, fantastic. Australia, again, I will hook you up. I think my friend Josh Withers, the wonderful celebrant slash marriage maker, would be an A's person to talk to about this very thing. I will chase him up on that. And I think this is lovely. It could be a thing for you, Grim and McGroomster. You could be able to go wherever you go on an overseas holiday. You get hitched. That'd be pretty nice. Also, it'd be nice to experience wedding services in other countries and embrace the culture. I know a lot of Aussies go to Bali and Thailand because they're beautiful and the people are really nice and they have great beaches lovely culture and cocktails and it's always interesting seeing if people choose to get married in Bali and just have a you know western sort of service again totally cool and sometimes people add a bit of the local culture in and that's also really nice to see and again this doesn't go back to I want people before they listen and go oh that's cultural appropriation and that's a big word Alicia It's not. I think if you are in a country and you're getting married and you want to have a tip of the hat in a very respectful way to a culture or a community or a theme or something around where you are, that's totally cool. It's more, I think, cultural appropriation became a big sort of buzzword of 2015 or buzz statement because there were lots of people that were choosing to be really inappropriate with taking excerpts of other countries, cultures or religious stuff that weren't necessarily anything to do with their beliefs and then just adding them to their wedding service because it was cool. So I think if you are doing that, you know, it's really nice. If you're getting married in a country that is a bit different to what you were doing, it'd be really nice to do some research and get to know some of what works for their countries. Look, in Australia, it's just like everyone else. We've got no culture. That's not true, but pretty much so Grimmy McGroomster I thank you so much for your voice message and also it is really great to hear that you are wanting to get hitched everywhere I mean that's a lovely idea if you're doing that as well then I would highly recommend you get in touch with me because I think this is a great idea fascinating and very enjoyable hey the good vibes about Meg Keen's A Practical Planner the wonderful book that she came on the show for she's from a practical wedding.com and she's written this amazing book a practical planner and so many people have written to me saying that they loved the shit out of that book and I wanted to share with you I got a tweet from Quinn the other day who said that she she says I used the excel templates and it was probably saved our wedding from a disaster everyone should buy this book 
it was really great to hear that, uh, you know, it's, it's useful and enjoyable. It's very nice. Angie also sent me a tweet. If you haven't followed me on the various social medias, do so. They're all different. You know, I share, I'm not one of these people that just post the same shit on all of it, and it probably takes over my life too much, but Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter, three very different things, get three very different versions of uh, of what I do. Instagram, you get a bit of the show stuff, you get a bit of Rich and I just dicking around, not literally, and uh, and then Inst- Twitter, I like to retweet things that I find interesting, and also that's where a lot of people ask me tweet questions, which is nice, and my handle is at save the date PC, not politically correct, is uh, it's a podcast. Duh. So, Angie, and she is Angie uh, underscore Angie Pants. She says, I need a bride guide to Catholic weddings. So many choices. And she's hashtag at Catholic brides, Catholic girl problems. And it's come to me. And I said, Angie, can you be more specific? I'd love to know exactly what your problems that you'd like solved are. And she wrote back and said, music selections and readings. Don't want our guests snoozing. We were given a small paperback with choices. <laughs> Thanks, Catholic Church. A small paperback with choices. So she says she's also planning on providing a program since there are a substantial number of guests who are not Catholic. So Angie, firstly, congrats. That's a great thing to do. I've talked about it before. And I think actually recently with my mother-in-law, Veronica, we talked about how appreciative people are when they are probably not necessarily as accustomed to your religious practices and traditions and uh, vibes that if you can provide a small little document, something fun for them to read when they come into the church and go, oh, this is what goes on in the Catholic church, it can be really helpful. I have been to lots of different wedding services and as I've said before, sometimes when you turn up and you don't know what the hell's going on, it can be confusing. And depending on what part of the Catholic Church, which sort of level of Catholicism you are involved in, that's the wrong terminology, you are, again, I don't know what the word is you're into, it can be more complicated as to some of the traditional things, aspects that are added to it. Can you see I haven't been to a church for a long time? Can I just say, my grandmother, when she died, she had a high Anglican service, which I was like, oh, Anglican, they're chill, and then went to this high Anglican service, and oh my God, it was the most formal religious thing I've ever been to, and they were swinging that incense thing around, and and I just had no idea what to do. I needed a guidebook that day in our grief. But also, because it was so weird, I think it knocked the socks out of me. And I was like, oh, I'm devastated, but also completely freaked out about what's going on in this church because I had no idea. And also, um, it distracted me. There it is. So I have asked my friends at Google.com and uh, I I typed in, now this is probably too basic here, Angie, but I typed in cool Catholic wedding readings and I've learned a little bit about Catholicism today because I didn't realize that you are you are required to use, and this might be like Catholics out there are like, oh, no shit, Alicia, this is exactly what, you know, goes down in our church, but that you are required to use a certain amount of readings from scriptures. So I suppose you are limited in the choice of what you can do within the church to do the readings because you've got to use things from the uh, Old Testament, nine options apparently, 13 options from the second reading from the New Testament. There it is. I'm learning. I'm absorbing. However, I think it's important that you speak to your priest, minister, main gal or guy who will be running the your wedding, who will be performing your wedding service. And 
I think it's really good to sit down and have the conversation with them and just say, is there any way, and I was going to say sex up, and that is completely the wrong terminology to use about a church service, anything we can add to this to bring it into a bit more about being about us. Maybe talking about the flexibility of readings. And also, as you said, Angie, it's also about music. Some churches are really mod with what they're willing to do and how much they're willing to sort of flex the creative muscle with the traditional wedding service. Yes, there are Bible readings that I'm sure that are a little bit more upbeat, a bit more funky. Although I was just reading some readings from the Old Testament. Gee whiz, that's heavy stuff. But I think it is worth, and I'm sure you're, uh, I'm going to say priest. I think Catholics use priests. Again, I should Google this. But I'm sure that they're open to having a conversation, especially considering you're getting married in the church and they would like you to come back again and be part of the community. They want to make you happy. They want you to be happy because it's your wedding day that you can maybe ask them about, you know, suggestions, how other people have gone about adding a bit of personalization and va va voom. That's what the Catholic Church needs, a bit of va-va-voom. There it is. Put that on a T-shirt. Thank you, Angie, for tweeting. I hope that's of some help. I do think it's all about communication, and especially it's your wedding day, and I know that there are confines, I think, especially when you are following a traditional method of service. And I mean confines as in tradition, not saying it's not going to be great. But it is good to just see how flexible people are. There are lots of modern churches out there that are totally willing to have a little bit of relaxation of some of the ways they do things because it keeps people in the church and keeps people happy. Again, that wasn't meant to have a go. Hey, I'm going to go for another religious question because I don't do this very often. Carol wrote to me and she says, Alicia, I know you don't answer a lot of religious questions. To be honest, Carol, I don't really receive a lot of them. I'm totally happy to answer the questions because I love learning about other cultures, other religions, other people, and you're all my people. She says, I could really use a virtual bridesmaid right now. I'm here for you. I'm a Christian-ish bride engaged to a wonderful man from a large Irish Catholic family and having a Catholic wedding in the church his parents got married in and it's something very important to him and his family. His parents are lovely and paid for a lot of wedding stuff and I pretty much got everything else I ever wanted for the wedding including a crimson red wedding dress and a killer band. Oh, I love it. So, How do I learn to deal with the traditions that are important to his family? I know you're not really into religious ceremonies, but please help me with this big fat Catholic wedding. It is his day two, and I love my groom chiller. Oh, I love you, Carol. Thank you so much for sharing this with me. And I'm so happy that I can uh, hopefully not offend people with my answers to this religious stuff. You... You cracked it on the head here. I don't do a lot of religious things because I haven't really been brought up in a religious culture or lifestyle, but I have lots of friends who are religious, lots of friends who are hella keen on what they believe in. And I think it's all about finding a balance, especially when you're bringing your family together, his family together. And obviously Catholic faith, as you've said, is important to them. Now, again, saying to Angie that there are ways that you can bring in and be respectful of their background and their beliefs. And if you are getting married in a Catholic church, again, you are probably under some limitations of flexibility, depending on how uh, cool, using air quotes that you can't see, this church is. 
I think it's particularly lovely, Carol, from your perspective to see how important that is to your partner and his family. And also it's quite lovely, you know, the fact that they, that church obviously has had a lot of history in their family and they want to be able to continue that history with you and your new family and your relationship. So I think looking at it from that perspective is quite touching. And although you aren't necessarily digging the religious stuff as much as his family may be, it's nice that you are open to exploring that and also being willing to be flexible with your perspective and what you would like to happen on the day. Now, saying that, I think the fact that you're getting married in the church and the church means so much to them is actually a really nice gesture. So you have, I think, taken a big step in a positive way to help them and also to get some massive brownie points. It's not what it's about, Alicia, but it always it's always good. It's always remember. I think you need to find meaning in the things that you are being asked to do. Again, I go back to tradition. I know not all religious traditions are easily found in uh, the everyday, as in it's not easy to find out why uh, we do certain things that we do now just because someone did it 700 years ago. Sometimes it's impossible to find meaning in certain religious practices. However, as someone that's perhaps new, when you say you're Christian-ish, maybe you're not uh, of the Catholic faith, perhaps again, as I'm saying to Angie, it's good for you to speak to a priest or the person, your contact at the church about what is expected of you. Because I think also knowledge and information is power and not a power in a vindictive way. I mean, the more you know about what you should be doing and what is a respectful thing and just arming yourself with information, it also gives you the ability to say to your in-laws or your partner, I feel really comfortable with doing this or I don't really feel like I have, I want to do that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to understand the process and some of the traditions behind and stories and meaning behind what you're being asked to do. So I think it is a matter of sort of saying, yeah, you've got to find a balance between saying, I'm choosing to get married in this church because it's got great meaning to my partner and his family, but also I don't want to be go completely Catholic, can't even say it, completely full Catholic if that's not your belief system and that's not what you necessarily want to do. So I think you need to be able to say, I'm doing this, let's find a nice gentle balance and uh, also communicate with your contact at the church and really try and find some more information about what's required of you and your partner, especially not coming from that. I mean, if you, as again, I went to my grandmother's funeral and thought I understood the Anglican church. Um, again, I'm not a religious person of any ilk, but I thought, oh yeah, I sort of get it. I went to church as a kid, but then they threw this high Anglican service at us and we were all like, whoa, I wish someone told us. I wish someone had a conversation with us. It was heavy. So Carol, super congrats on your engagement and congrats on being an awesome daughter-in-law. And also, I love that they're paying for shit. That's great. And you're getting nice things. So I think it's also going, all right, I'm doing this. They're doing this. Let's all just do what makes us happy, work together, be good and kind to each other and acknowledge what's important to each other. And I'm sure they're realizing that your beautiful crimson red dress oh it sounds delicious is probably something they're not used to seeing walking down the aisle in a catholic church so go girl i love that have i offended enough people with this poorly researched opinion heavy wedding podcast episode gee i hope not i think you all know me well enough now to realize 
My heart is in the right place. There it is. Thank you so much for contributing. Corey, Grimmy McGroomster, Angie and Carol, this has been a jam-packed, information-filled episode of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode uh, with Amina Tussauds on Monday. Amina, she is the beautiful co-host of Call Your Girlfriend. I had such a lovely time talking with her and hopefully we can um, speak again on the show. I love her attitude. She's so cruisy. I love the hell out of doing that interview and I really enjoy the show. I giggle so much. Um, one of their episodes, it was the February 5th episode, if you go back and listen, she... <laughs> and Anne, her co-host, they explain this whole Kanye West, Rob Kardashian, uh, Black China, Amber Rose, I don't know, fight. I love, this is one of my shameful, shameful things that I'm really trying to get off. It's not heroin. It is, well, it's like heroin. It's celebrity heroin. It's the Daily Mail it's the side wall of shame. It's a sidebar of shame where you just click on in the morning when I'm having a cup of coffee and I look at some terrible celebrity shit and then I feel bad about myself and then I go to work. And so I was reading about all this, but I didn't understand the origins of this feud. So none of it really made sense, which was fine because I'm also trying to follow the US elections. And I probably should be reading more about that or about the conflict in Syria. No, no, no. I'm just reading Daily Mail shit. Anyway, in the last episode of Call Your Girlfriend, they went through and Amina did an amazing sort of rundown of how this feud started. And I learnt so much. I giggled so much. I shook my head a lot and it was very entertaining. So if you don't know about that conflict and also if you just want to listen to a really good podcast, can I just say, go back and listen to that episode. It was very funny and very informative. You know what else is informative? Being a Save the Date Wedding Podcast subscriber. Do you like that? I just went straight into that. What a media professional. I have been producing a newsletter once a week. I link to stuff. I write about stuff. I talk a bit about the podcast. It's not gross. That's a really good way to sell myself. It's not gross. I'm not sending anything gross. It's just a way for me to connect with you in text form. So if you are interested in that, no pressure. I've really, that's like the worst sales job I've ever done on a podcast. But now look at you, you will probably will sign up. They're like, yeah, the non-sales really works. Visit savethedatepodcast.com where you can subscribe to the newsletter. Also download my free guide to getting hitched if you are newly engaged. Can I say, I would like to give you my book. This book was published a couple of years ago. It was a well proper book. It had like a cover. It was sold in shops. And in a very generous mood, I decided to put it up online for free for you so you don't have to pay for it. I'd rather you read it than me get the, I don't know, two bucks or whatever I end up getting. Seriously, no one makes any money in books. I just want to say that. By the time everyone else gets paid, you sort of get nothing. And I would prefer lots of people read this than necessarily like six people buy it off Amazon. And I would rather hundreds of thousands of people read it. So if you haven't downloaded it, go ahead, have a look. I'm also writing another book at the moment, which eventually will be finished when I have five seconds to myself. It's going to be called Bride Chiller. There it is. Love, love, love sharing this time with you. This has been a long episode today. Hope you're okay with that. Hope you've enjoyed it. Until tomorrow's episode, it's a Friday quickie. If you are subscribing to the show, it will just pop up on your various devices as soon as I publish it. So don't miss out. Love to hear from you. Please leave me voice messages. Buy totes and t-shirts. It really helps me out. All my love and kisses. Happy days. Save the date wedding podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.